welcome to Behind the Scene at NTSB. Thank you very much for joining us. My name is Eric Strickland, and I'm glad that you found us. Uh, if you found us via iTunes, make sure to rate us. Uh, give us lots of good stars and lots of good comments. Uh, if you found us on any of your other platforms, which I'm assuming is Google is your main platform, uh, give us a ranking there. And um, you can find the most recent episodes and backlog of episodes on our blog, which you can find from ntsb.gov. Also check us out on the Twitter at NTSB, on Instagram at NTSBGov, on Facebook at NTSBGov. And to the intern's detriment, we're still not on Snapchat. Sorry. So uh, those are some of the big social media places where you can get us. Um, this week, we want to... Um, have a fun discussion with some of the um, individuals from our research and engineering department. I'd like to thank uh, Ivan Chung and Nathan Doble for joining us, and uh, welcome to Behind the Scene. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, they, you know, I get to send fun emails around to other, you know, staff in the uh, agency and say, "Hey, there's this podcast that we have going on. You want to come on to it?" And I'm really happy that they said yes. So uh, today. It's going to be, uh, A, the first podcast that we've had on Behind the Scenes where we have two guests. So you guys are going to go in the history books for that one. So be happy about that. Uh, so we're going to just talk a little bit about, um, you know, how Nathan and Ivan got to the NTSB and, and, you know, kind of their transportation career history. But they also are the, is it lead author? Is that the appropriate kind of term? How do you? Co-study manager. Co-manager. Co-managers. They were the co-managers of a um, biased opinion here, but a seminal report on speeding and the impacts that it has on safety um, and in the United States. And also, I think kind of abroad, it's, it's a good perspective for other nations to look at as well. So they're the co-managers of that. And so we're going to have a, a pretty um, uh, interesting, I hope, I, it will be interesting. I just know it'll be interesting discussion about the speed report that we did. So, so uh, that's what we have today. And uh, it's going to be a great look behind the scenes. So to start with, um, since he sent me his bio first, I'm going to start with Ivan. Um, how did you get here? So I, you, you have an interesting, uh, PhD in geography. Yes. How does, how does one become a transportation researcher with kind of a, a history in geography? How did that happen? I think that's a very, very good question. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> when I was studying geography, my focus is in climatology and uh, for those of us who study weather and climate, we basically understand it's really about time and space. And uh, at the end of the day, everything boiled down to numerical analysis. So my basic background is still pretty much a, in research, mm -hmm. quantitative analysis, statistical analysis, and such. So I basically use my transferable skill to go from geography to uh, transportation safety. And before I came to NTSB, I worked as a research scientist as, at the, Inter as the e Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, uh, IIHS. And so that's kind of how I get through my windy road to get to <laughs> transportation safety. And, and no matter how many times I try to say the Insurance Institute for <laughs> Highway Safety, it sounds like I stutter on the beginning of IIHS. Right. It, uh, my friends there, if you have a better acronym, please, you know, let's work on it, but I like <laughs> it. Um, so, so how long were you at uh, the Insurance Institute? I was there for almost three years. Okay. Yeah. Um, and for those that don't know, uh, Insurance Institute is one of the um, leaders in the country on mm -hmm. examining the, the safety of vehicles as they um, are involved in crashes. Really, I like their YouTube page is pretty awesome because right. it's just a whole bunch of cars crashing right. and um and they have amazing science on dummies and and uh, physiology and 
kinesiology and all those kind of things, how the body reacts in a crash. So, um, is as part of the staff, uh, you know, staff day, do you get an email saying, Hey, there's going to be a crash taking place and, uh, everyone just, you know, have a picnic, let's come down and it's for research that we're going to crash this car. True, true, true. And <laughs> as a matter of fact, they do more than at, at IHS, they do more than just vehicle safety. True. And they also cover highway safety, basically. So for example, when I was working there, um, I also do red light camera, whether mm. that's effective or not. Uh, older driver safety, uh, graduated driver license. And as a matter of fact, I also help uh, work on a speeding related okay. uh, project. So it's, it's a little more uh, all-encompassing than yeah. uh, just crashing. That's true. Is, I, is, I picked the good. fun highlights. And of course. I, I, no slight to uh, insurance. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot that goes on there. And so, um, so that's great. And, and you joined the, um, the agency how many years ago? About seven years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, it's been a, you've been here a while. I didn't realize that. I know. That. That's very good. <laughs> well, well, when you're having a good time, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. And, you know, um, with your background, do you get to help out with any of the meteorological studies that the aviation division does? Uh, very, very, very tangential. Oh, yeah. You know, very, very little. I would like to do, you know, <laughs> like severe weather related highway safety issue or aviation safety issue. But, you know, at the aviation safety, they do have official yeah. meteorology. And um, so, yeah. Uh, just uh, elbow uh, your way in there. Just, it, you know, yeah, yeah. remind them. True. Well, cool. Well, thank you very much. And then Nathan, I, you and I got to spend some time at a conference a little while ago, and you shared a story with me that I didn't even know was like a thing, looking at evaluating air traffic control systems and, and how flight management patterns and all that. To be honest, I didn't even know that was a subset of, of some of the research or issues that went into FAA type of work. That sounds fascinating to me. Like, how did you get into that? How did you get, were you interested in aviation and wanted to find interesting research topics to get into, or? Uh, I, I was always interested in aviation. Um, through some uh, internships in college, I got involved in the, uh, the air traffic management world, so um, looking at uh, sort of the strategic aspects of air traffic control, yeah. um, where the traffic flows should go, and, and how many aircraft should um, be in those flows, that sort of thing. Um, and then I just kind of stuck with it. Um, through um, through college coursework and um, jobs afterwards. Yeah. So is that it's not just as simple as lining. You know, how do you how do you manage where they're all coming from from different parts of the country to get into a flight pattern, but also like understanding you know the vortices that come off of the different types of engines. Like, can it get to that granular level, granular of a level as you're trying to develop systems to help manage and make more efficient. Uh, air traffic control systems? Like, do you have to really know all that kind of stuff? Yeah, some of the... Um, wow. I mean, you're, you're concerned sure. about uh, the capacity of, of the airspace, the capacity of the airports, and um, some of those depend on factors like um, separation minima, how close are the aircraft allowed to get to each other. Are there some planes that should never follow each other? Like, I, in my mind, and again, <clears throat> if anyone's listened to the episodes... I like to ask questions that I think are interesting and may just come across as kind of ridiculous, but you don't put a lot of like Cessnas behind a triple seven. Like that's not, that's not a, an appropriate line order. You, you don't put them very close <laughs> behind a triple seven and you, um, you wouldn't want to, 
you know, alternate a triple seven, a Cessna, a triple seven, a Cessna, because that wouldn't be very efficient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just imagine like, I, I'm picturing in my mind, I'm in the, I'm in the Cessna and I'm just learning how to fly and I get behind a triple seven is very similar to as I'm learning to drive and I get behind a semi truck and the panic I felt there, I think would be multiplied exponentially if I, <laughs> if I was in the air. There are, there are guidelines that you, that you learn for um, how to manage your flight path with respect to other aircraft that might be a, might be a wake turbulence issue. And so uh, did you become a pilot before you got into that or did that kind of help? That I, I, I think kind of um, got me interested in, in being a pilot. Yeah. Do you still, do you still fly often? Or? No, it's been about five years or so. Okay. Do you, it's a pricey uh, hobby. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can understand that. Um, what did, um, you flew in the, the DC area? Like, is it, is it hard to fly in out of DC area? Cause I know it's like a restricted air zone. So it made it probably even harder to participate in, you know, the sport that you like because you have to really plan for it. Yeah. It's, it's somewhat, um, procedurally, um, and airspace wise, it's somewhere more complex. Yeah. Um, you can't just go, um, flying, starting off in the, um, in, in the western side of the um, the area, you can't just fly over DC to head towards the ocean. You have to kind of take a circuitous route, either going north or south, to stay out of the DC airspace. Um, so that's kind of a bummer, but um, in general, it's not too bad. So it's not just like understanding how to fly a plane. You got to really understand your maps and, and understand all the other rules that go with it. Uh, in one of the earlier episodes, I didn't realize that there was a whole separate ground school and flight school. I didn't realize there were or there were two different things. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the airplane is kind of a, a noisy and bumpy classroom, so it's, it's uh, it, usually preferred to do some of that work on the ground first. It, it made total sense, but it wasn't mm-hmm. something that my mind even, like, processed. So so I get it. So, well, that's very cool. And so how did you go from all of that to get to the NTSB? Because uh, uh, you've been here five-ish? Five years. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, I've been um, sort of in this um, – very small niche of a very small niche of, of aerospace work for <laughs> essentially since um, my college years. And so um, I thought that um, when I saw the job announcement that this would be a, a good way to still stay somewhat in aviation, but also to sort of broaden my horizons a little bit uh, with the other modes. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, awesome. Well, given given that very interesting background, it's I don't have a smooth transition to this. Let's talk about speed. Um <laughs> And so, you know, recently, uh, I guess it came out just a couple months ago, a month and a half ago, as we're recording this, when you listen to this, it, it came out in August-ish? The board meeting was July 25th, okay. 2017, mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, report was published later. a few weeks later in August. Yeah. Okay, so August uh, 2017 is when the report came out to, to big headlines uh, across the country, not just in, I want to say, within the advocacy world, but uh, a lot of different states and a lot of different agencies were taking notice of it mm-hmm. because... Uh, it's been a trend across the country to look at increasing speeds, uh, increasing speed limits, I should say, on on the highways. Um, I'm a I'm a Montana native, and I learned to drive when there was that buffer period when there was technically no speed limit in in the state because um, the the Nixon era rules, I want to say they were, or uh, it was a gas saving, you know, right. having the 55 speed limit, all those kind of things. Those got got revoked and repealed mm-hmm. and so you went back to what you had been before which for montana was reasonable and prudent mm-hmm. which as a 13 year 14 year old uh driving reasonable and prudent was uh a different idea than what my my mother's was and definitely different different idea than my uh, driving instructors was uh i can't imagine i just 
I can't imagine having kids these days get in a car and told, all right, let's just keep it under 95 when we get on mm-hmm. the interstate and still getting passed by cars. So mm-hmm. just to say it was an interesting time to learn how to drive. But all of that said, we now have speed limits and states are doing that. But um, most notably, like Texas increased it to 85 in some areas, which which is pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And my layman's understanding is, you know, people feel that they can go faster, so they will. And the cars have gotten better. Suspensions have gotten better. Road construction's gotten better. And mm-hmm. so driving 85 in a vehicle, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you could really feel the vehicle fighting back at around 70 or so. So you knew to kind of keep it slow because it felt dangerous. Now you can drive 100 something and, and you don't, because of all the wonderful safe, you know, systems on a vehicle, mm-hmm. you don't get that kind of feedback that, hey, it's wobbly or whatever. It kind of fixes itself. That doesn't mean I'm necessarily driving better, just that I'm not getting some of that feedback. So then you're getting an increased speed limit. And, you know, I've kind of gone a little bit on that. But is that some of the stuff that you kind of anecdotally heard as you went through this? Like, we've got all these states increasing speed limits. You know, they feel that they can, so they will. And this is, there's not much else behind it. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's how I got it. So the, I rambled on a little bit. So let me circle <laughs> back to, so we've got the speed report that came out. States are going to use this to look at it and and find ways to go forward to make their roadways safer um, because no one's really looked at speeding. It's about a third of all fatalities, but mm-hmm. it's not, quote, unquote, a focus area of some of the national funding dollars, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Did you, in your, your work on the report, did you kind of get any hints as to why it wasn't a focus area? Or did it just, it just never had been carved out in any of the the federal spending dollars? I think a lot of the time that what we heard, particularly in the efficacy side of thing, is that there isn't like a social stigma Mm -hmm. to speeding. And as you know, in American culture, fast car, you know, everything is about speed, you know. So it's like, you know, it's it's in the American culture um, that going fast is a good thing. And uh, if you're driving too slow and you actually have the negative feedback and say, what the heck is going on, you know, with you? So I think there's a lot of that cultural issue um, associated with that. And unlike um, alcohol, you know, drunk, drunk driving and, you know, distracted driving or even fatigue, you know, people really understand that is bad for you. Yeah. You're going to cause not harm to yourself, but cause harm to others. And I think at this point we don't see that for speeding, and I think that's probably one of the one of the major obstacles that we have to get through. And I think we believe that you know uh, through the reports and our discussion, you know, with various people, that I think there is a uh, a role that um, you know national leadership needs to come yeah. up. May that be from the federal agency. Or may that be some of the larger um, safety group like uh, National um, Safety Council mm-hmm. or um, GHSA, you know, places like that can, or even the the the, the, the law enforcement community yeah. can step up and then just make sure that the American American public understand that speed come with risk yeah. and sometimes. You may think that, hey, I'm just going to hurt myself, but oftentimes it's not. There are other people. It's going to be the collateral yeah. damages. Yeah, that's interesting. Yes, 
all of those agencies that you mentioned and, mm-hmm. and the stigma that's associated with it, no one's really looked at this for, for many years in a, in a large sweeping report like this until we did. How did this come up in the hallways of the NTSB? How was it decided <laughs> that, hey, Nathan, Ivan, do you guys want to do a report on speed? Or is it more of you have kind of a, a whiteboard with ideas on it that you may want to approach and um, just given staff availability, time, uh, resources, all that, you kind of choose which report to do. So mm-hmm. I guess that's a long way to say, how did we get to this? <laughs> uh, there's a a varied and Byzantine process for coming up with uh, <laughs> safety study topics. Um, in, in this case, I think it was actually started by a, um, a former colleague um, in the group who, um, uh, who was pretty familiar with um, the highway mode um, and highway safety issues. And uh, she had identified this as an issue. And then we um, did some initial research to um, establish the scope of the problem, mm-hmm. see what other folks um, had or hadn't done uh, around this issue, and then um, uh, you know reviewed that um, within our office and mm-hmm. determined that it was a, a good topic for a, for a safety study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long, and it's very clear that I'm not a researcher, so this, how long does that kind of process take? So when did, when did those conversations start? Like, so the report came out August, 2017. Mm-hmm. When did you really start thinking about having this as, as something that the NTSB would do for a report or a product study? Probably sometime in 2015, I yeah, think. Yeah, I would say okay. probably about two years ago, then that's sort of like this whole, um, we, we call that the proposal process, you know, come in place. And we kind of like, you know, even though we kind of inherited the, the topic, the mm-hmm. subject matter, but we still have to own it. And in order for us to own it, we need to figure that out. Hey, you know, uh, what's the safety scope of the of this particular topic? Yeah. Are we out there is going to spend the government resources in this case, you know, our human resources and mm-hmm. our time and making sure that the money is well spent? Are we going to save life? You know, those are the things that we need to kind of like balance this out. And then that process, I would say, probably take about two to three months or maybe even a bit longer than that, probably about three to four months time yeah. frame before we actually get the board approval. And the, the board member has a say and they have, you know, an opportunity to ask us questions. Sure. Are we covering everything that, you know, they think is important? Are we covering too much? You know, you know, that's all the stuff that, you know, take time. And after we have gotten the approval, I think that the actual research probably take about a year. Yeah. So we, intense we, effort for a year. We received approval from the board um, to go ahead with the research in October of 2015. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the research phase um, of uh, performing data analysis, uh, looking at the literature, um, uh, interviewing various stakeholders, that probably takes... Uh, nine months to a year, and right. then after that, it's you're really into the report writing. And doing all right. And then the analysis of analysis of all the data that you've gathered, right. and yeah, right. And I, and I would say that the analytical part and uh, the actual research part is, you know, we don't just say you know we go out and interview for three months and then we do three months of analysis. It's sort of like simultaneously okay. happening at the same time. And I I also want to kind of uh, talk a little bit about, you know, the back end when the writing process, it it is very uh, involving and mm-hmm. very intense. And I think, 
you know, it shows as the final product, even though, you know, at the time it could be pretty painful yeah. to go through that <laughs> process. But at the end of the day, the report is the, is the shape that it is right now uh, is very, very, uh, uh, a lot of hard work have gone into it. And it's beyond just Nathan and I. We got help from other people, from management, from writer, editor. Uh, and so, so it's important because it needs to be accessible. Yeah. for people out there to be able to use it as a resource to do whatever um, necessary to, to save life. Yes. So you uh, you said you kind of inherited it, and mm-hmm. we've kind of established highway safety, not one of the key backgrounds that, that both of you have. So did you have to kind of really dig into the highway safety stuff? Did it kind of make you more interested in highway safety as you went into it? Or I mean, from an analytical side, was it just mm-hmm. interesting because it's something outside of the fields that you normally played with and, and you really liked it from that side? I know for me, um, one of the things I really enjoy about this this job is that every year and a half, two years or so, I get to learn a lot about a different topic <laughs> that I probably didn't um, know a whole lot about before. Um, mm-hmm. And so d- definitely, um, and, and for this topic, um, there's a lot of research in the area that, that definitely helped. Um, yeah. There's lots of publications um, in highway safety in general and, and speeding in particular um, that got me. I, yeah. I think reading through that, you get more interested and excited about the topic. I do agree. Um, and I think what attracted me to this job is that I have the potential to go from one type of research to another type of research. May yeah. that be changing changing more. Uh, but more specifically about the speeding report is not too far from my main lane. Yeah. And, um, you know, even in the last seven years at NTSB, you know, I have been involved with, you know, many safety study and um, some other accident report that is by and large mostly highway highway safety related. Yeah. So you've got, you know, you, you did this and you, you know, get the board approval and you're ready to do your next steps. But as you said, Nathan, there, were, there was quite a bit of research kind of out there that you were able to kind of go through already. Did that help you kind of decide what next steps? You looked at some of the old research, what maybe we could um, update or, or what has a good, um, you know, a good base for us to add to. So did that help you like choose where your interviews should be? Because I know you did some interviews with different uh, departments and agencies in a few different states. Like, how did you choose those? I'm assuming there was probably a reason for it, but like, what mm-hmm. did those ones stand out for you? Yeah, so we, we interviewed, I'd say, about 40 or 50 different organizations encompassing um, the, the federal transportation agencies like um, uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety, Associate, Safety Administration and the Federal Highway Administration. Um, state departments of transportation, state mm-hmm. highway safety offices, state and local law enforcement, uh, automobile manufacturers, uh, insurance companies, researchers, uh, advocacy groups. And the way we chose those, um, particularly when we went out to the states, um, is that we, we were looking for a, uh, a variety of different countermeasures employed. So um, some cities have uh, very extensive, very innovative um, engineering programs where you're doing things like mm-hmm. roundabouts and speed bumps and roundabouts. Um, stuff like that. Roundabouts, very, very controversial thing. And I just don't understand why. Once you figure out how to use them, they're pretty fun. So they, I, will, I will give my plug. I enjoy a roundabout. <laughs> um, other states um, use automated speed enforcement. Um, some states don't. So we're, we're really looking for a, um, 
a variety of, of countermeasures employed to get a, um, not necessarily a representative sample, um, mm-hmm. but, but a varied uh, sample of opinions. Yeah, I think just to, just to add to it is that the literature review that we have conducted kind of helped us hone in on certain specific topics that yeah. we want to focus on. Because as uh, Nathan said that there are lots and lots of people in these fields and there are lots of research going on. Um, and there are also a lot of proven um, countermeasure, you know, particularly in the roadway engineering side, like, you know, roundabout and things like that yeah. has already been proven to be very effective in, in, in terms of uh, speed management. And so, you know, knowing that kind of like help us understand that, hey, that's something that probably don't really need. Yeah you know, us to, to draw on and things like that, we can direct people from our report to the appropriate countermeasure uh, resources. And you actually see that uh, 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 a lot when you're talking to uh, people after the report comes up and say, hey, why didn't you guys talk about that? Why didn't yeah. you talk about, you know, uh, uh, um, urban, urban planning and urban design oh, and sure. things like that? And, uh, you know, our reaction is that, you know, there are literature and there are resources and there are a group of people that are working on that and they have put together very effective resources. Not that NTSB doesn't think that that needs to take place, but, you know, our resources are better, better used when we are identifying countermeasure that is proven but is not being used yeah. properly. And I think that's a, an important kind of like soundbite that we kind of want sure. to plug. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of stuff already out absolutely. there. Absolutely. But this is an opportunity for us to add add more information to kind of a quiet voice within the, you know, the safety features that are out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other the other point that I want to uh, add on is in terms of the representative samples or not. And I think we do try to uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, we do try to look at more urban versus, you know, more more uh, uh, rural states yeah. and large cities, smaller city. And we kind of do want to, like, you know, during our interview and when we're collecting those information to have a decent, you know, representations sure. of um, the variety of environment that we, we work on. Yeah. So to get those interviews, you went out to those you know, those agencies most likely are caught some of them, you know, because we're based in the D.C. area. If some mm-hmm. of them are here for national conferences, try to talk to them there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, 50 different agencies. I'm assuming you didn't travel out 50 different times, but you, like, <laughs> put a couple trips together. I've heard stories of one of the trips where there was a lot of uh, a lot of Route 1, uh, the Pacific Highway, going back and forth. I mean, can you describe, like, what a typical trip out to do an interview is like? You, you arrange it, and how long are you there for? Is it a multiple-day interview with individuals? Because to an asterisk on all this, I think one of you guys talked to me when I worked at one of my former employers to, on highway safety. Yeah, I think Ivan talked to me about some of this stuff. So so I know how the phone part went. No one, no one wanted to come talk to me in person. I'm kind of sad about that. But, <laughs> you know, how does that work in, when you travel out, like, multiple people do you have to arrange it all on your own or just someone that helps you like figure it all out because you're trying to balance no <laughs> no <It's- laughs> we do it all ourselves um, and uh, you know we try to make the the travel somewhat efficient so we'll set up uh, meetings with um you know generally speaking i think we would for each trip we'd set up a meeting with the state department of transportation mm-hmm. uh, the state highway safety office um the uh the state police or state patrol yeah. And then we would ask them for um, 
some some context at the local level. Oh, some, okay. Some cities or um, law enforcement organizations that were doing innovative things yeah. at the local level to set up further uh, meetings with those organizations. Yeah. And so you could go around and, and get all that taken care of. That I mean, did some of them say, oh, you're going to be talking to so-and-so? Well, they're going to say this, but it's not really quite true. Or did you get a lot of just people just happy to be talking with someone and happy that someone was looking at the issue because it's something that they've been trying to deal with for a long time? Yeah. In general, I would say the, the response was was fairly positive. Yeah, I think I think we try to also make our interview, um, I would call it uh, structural but yeah. informal. So, you know, they typically get a sense of when we are coming in, what we, what we would like, you know, to talk to them about. And we don't, you know, we don't have a set of questions, yeah. so to speak, but this is a general topic that we want to talk to, talk to them about ahead of time. So then uh, oftentimes you see them, they are very, very willing to talk to us. They are also very willing to, you know, raise the concern, yeah. you know, about certain things. And uh, uh, and I would say most of the times are very, very open-ended. They are very open-minded. They they like to give us information. Some of them are very prepared. Yeah. You know, they may even have presentation for us. And some of them actually take us for a ride, <laughs> you know, to go to certain uh, countermeasure that we can actually see. And uh, as a matter of fact, one interesting uh, experience we had was that um, the person who took us out um, driving around, you know, was so excited and, and so trying very hard to push certain, you know, countermeasure. We found it very uh, almost like a, um, trying to buy a new car. Yeah. You know, so that was very interesting. <laughs> I can just imagine be like, hey, so you got a rental car here. Hey, <laughs> just give me the plate number. I'll make sure you don't get a ticket, but see if you can get the camera to flash on that road and uh, you'll see how efficient these uh, automated enforcement systems are. <laughs> right. We also, you know, sometimes the interview also yield interesting information that uh, was like, really? You know, that's sort of like, you yeah. know, kind of like a light bulb go on go on kind of situation. So so, it's, so some of them doesn't get into the reports, yeah. right? But uh, but it's still very interesting for us. It helps add framework for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Well, I will say I am going to steal a structural but informal whenever I have to try to invite someone else on this <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> how that all works. So, you know, so you did all the interviews. Um, you, mm-hmm. You're doing your analysis. You go through the report writing process, you know, six to eight months or so you said it took. Mm-hmm. You know, how many drafts did you go through? Did you, <laughs> did, you did you lose count? Yeah, I mean, there are about um, <laughs> four or five sort of formal mm-hmm. um, steps in the process yeah. um, where it gets reviewed by um, at various levels, both internally and uh, externally. Uh, but then there's, you know, dozens of, <laughs> of drafts in between there. Right, right, right. You just save those email folders just for historical reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I had a great idea on draft three. Let me go back and right. find that. Or I said this in right. the seventh draft, but you didn't want it in the ninth draft. Right. So let me go. <laughs> right. also, um, there's also the fact that Nathan and I are different kinds of writer. And uh, um, at the end of the day, you want one product, one voice. Yeah. So you got that uh, uh, situation you know, to deal with. And also... Um, NTSB have a different way of doing the writing than sure. other agencies or other organizations. So there were lots of um, kind of 
systematic, you sure. know, thing that you have to deal with. Um, that's we also, why, that's we, why there's writer editors. I have to say, unsung heroes for for absolutely. any board report you see, any any uh, right, accident right. investigation report, anything that comes out. Right. I know I'm not a good writer. I'll be honest about that. My sister no. still reviews things that I write <laughs> that aren't for like professional reasons, just because I'm not very good. I love the fact that the agency has. <laughs> writer editors to help out the young sun heroes so to all of you writer editors very very please keep it up (laughs) especially someone have to deal with a writer like me first of all this is not my first language number two (laughs) is that uh, my style as uh, nathan can't uh, uh, attest is more is more (laughs) right so (laughs) so there's a lot of work that had to go in to make my writing uh, presentable (laughs) you want to share as much as you can and let everyone know what's going on yeah it doesn't need a footnote let me just Mm -hmm. write it all here right (laughs) that's funny so uh would you like take drafts and like just sit down in a room and go line by line and talk to each other (laughs) or was it more of a um uh, kind of like a game of battleship with email. Here's my report. <laughs> now your turn to shoot back a version. In, it starts out that way, and then and, the, <laughs> and then in the later stages, it, you get down to line by line, and you're stuck yeah. in a room for hours on end. And that's, Days. That's always fun. <laughs> you, you just switch up to different rooms. That just makes it look different. Right, right. Certain time, certain day that I do feel like I either need to jump out the window or just crawl back <laughs> into a hole, you know. But again, at the end of the day, we have a product that we are proud of. Well, and that's just it. Like you, you then can have discussions with you with each other that you may not have thought about and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And add an extra view and perspective to the report. So I mean, right. it it is yeah. a great report. I mean, it right. is it is a really great report. So to that point, there's um, I, I recommend everyone checking it out. It's on our website. You can look at there. But there's 18 uh, recommendations that we put out there. And I know, I know, no one wants to say which recommendation is better than the other. But through the process, as you went on this, are you able to kind of say if states are able to do like these couple of recommendations, you will states or organizations, you will make a very large impact on the issue of a third of highway fatalities are caused by speeding. Like if you take some of these ideas mm-hmm. and put them together, mm-hmm. you don't have to take all 18 right now. We'd like all 18. There's a reason we made them all, but these ones would really help out in, in the interim to, as you're working forward. Do you, I mean, I know it's kind of hard to say they're very, they're very personal, <laughs> like 18, the, the, everyone is made with a good reason in mind, yeah. but just trying to think like, as states try to look at making some of these initial steps into addressing right. safety, yeah. is there one that sticks out that you think might be uh, useful for states to not even maybe implement but start to look at? Well, we made recommendations to to various levels. So we have recommendations to the federal government. We mm-hmm. have recommendations to the states. We have um, recommendations to some, some associations uh, working in this area, to law enforcement. Um, and so the, the recommendations that we made to the states um, – specifically were to uh, allow through legislation greater use of automated speed enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the literature um, all suggests that it's a, that it's a highly effective mm-hmm. countermeasure for speeding, um, but only 14 states in the District of Columbia currently use it. And, and I will say, I didn't realize that this was a thing until I read it in the report. I, I'd never really heard about or gone into the point-to-point speed enforcement. Can you explain a little bit how that works? And I think it's Australia that was. It's, doing it's been it? used in in Europe and Australia and New okay. Zealand, um, and it, it's called point to point enforcement, or it's also called uh, section control, or average speed enforcement. And 
the basic idea is that you um, take the measure the time that uh, a vehicle crosses two different points, um, you know, subtract those two times to get a, a duration, and and from that and knowing the distance between those two points, you can come up with an average speed. Um, yeah. So it's it's not uh, conceptually much different than um, than an officer sitting with a stopwatch or um, some states use uh, aerial enforcement where yeah. they're... Oh, the, when you see the big white line painted across the road. and yeah. Yep. I've always wanted to see the helicopter hovering above me to, to do that, but <laughs> I haven't, so... Um, the, the difference is that now, uh, you know, the, the technology is available, um, things like um, automated license plate readers, yeah. um, where you can do that in a more automated fashion. Um, and so uh, it's, a, it's a type of automated enforcement that... Uh, it hasn't been used in the United States yet, um, but um, studies of its use in other countries have shown it's effective. And um, surveys have also shown that uh, drivers um, seem to think it's perhaps more fair than the, the single point um, cameras that we tend to uh, have used so far in the United States. Uh, it's perceived as, as less of a speed trap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I'll slow down when I see the law enforcement officer. I'll speed up a little bit, and then I'll slow down again. So my average speed would be correct, but there'll be times in there where maybe I go a little above, a little below. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you see that as something that as we get farther along in these discussions about automated vehicles and the technologies and the V2V and the V2I, is it something that a piece of technology on a vehicle that talks to a specific speed reporting piece of technology and infrastructure could help with? Do you ever – I mean – I, I'm I'm thinking totally out of the box on this, or mm-hmm. well, in my mind, it's out of the box. But has has anyone discussed that how you know vehicle infrastructure type of technology can help with some of the speed enforcement as well? Because I know we talk about it on crashes, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, we we did hear uh, those comments when we in our stakeholder interviews. Um, however, uh, for the purposes of making recommendations, um, the NTSB is generally looking at a, a five to seven year timeline, and okay. so. Uh, given the um, the average age of vehicles and how long it takes to to turn sure. over the fleet, sure. um, we didn't focus on on some of those um, issues so much in this report. But but certainly, um, as we move towards uh, automated vehicles, um, you know, the, there'll have to be policy discussions around yeah. um, the sort of speeds that those vehicles can drive. Well, and can... also, our recommendation, even though we have specific specific recommendation that we want um, a particular agency, as an example, to implement certain thing or change certain thing. But at the same time, the whole reason why the report is so much bigger than just having a list of 18 recommendations is that we want the report to be a way to start conversation. Sure. You know, get the yeah. researcher to think about, you know, certain thing like what you were referring to, you know, what's the next step? You know, how are we going to push the envelopes to get to get to the next phase or the next generations of uh, yeah. speed management and things like that. So I think that's uh, that's something that's oftentimes people think, that, oh, you know, it's all about a recommendation, but it's also about the, the contextual information mm-hmm. that builds around the recommendation. Well, yeah, there's no reason that you locked yourself in a room for mm-hmm. multiple weeks on end to have it ignored. I mean, that's really it really does help. Right. enlighten a conversation go forward exactly with that in mind are there pieces of the report that you found fascinating as you were going around doing the interviews that you were like i never even thought about that or this is something that 
you know, I'd like to dig a little bit more into and that it made it into the report. Do you have, do you have a favorite piece of the report or one that you find most interesting? Either? I, the I, whole, the I, whole product? I, I love all parts of the report equally. Um, <laughs> as you should. That is it. <laughs> and that's actually, I want to kind of like use your question to kind of step back to the original question about, you know, is a specific recommendation that uh, we want to push. And I think, you know, you will... You, you, you see the the report is actually integrated. It's mm-hmm. integrative, right? I mean, that's all. That's go to the whole idea of space management, and needs to be about engineering. It needs to be about enforcement. It also needs to be about education. So that's why you see so many recommendations, and each of those recommendations has a slightly different timeline and yeah. in some way difficulty to implement. So I think that's why, you know, we kind of don't want to say that we have, you know, our our favorite yeah. recommendation because at the end of the day, you know, if we really truly want to head toward zero, so to speak, I think all of this needs to take place. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a message that, you know, we no. kind of want to. It's like you're reading my mind. Know. I did kind of set you up with is your favorite one, <laughs> but you guys, you guys were right on that. It's, it's, they all work together. Exactly. It's, it's hard to separate them out. They're not also the be-all, end-all. There mm-hmm. are other ideas that are out there, um, but all, what is it? There's no there's no um, magic bullet to deal with this Absolutely. issue, and so it's a bunch of different pieces that go right. together and, right. and are right. out there. And so, um, you know, having spent a lot of time in the highway safety world, I know that speed is something that we've always talked about, but some of the reports and the data are a little bit older or they're very localized. It's mm-hmm. a... It's something for an automated enforcement system on these five square blocks of this neighborhood. And it's hard to extrapolate that into a larger area sometimes mm-hmm. and to go beyond. So I think, I mean, I know a lot of people are really excited. I think this is a great report for us to have as um, have our name on as the NTSB and have the recommendations out there to, you know, let people know these are the things that you can do for safety. So, you know, well done on the report. I just, I mean, if anyone's ever interested and want to get more it again, it is on our website. I know that um, uh, you guys or the report at least will be, I think you guys have been invited possibly do like, I think you did a webinar recently. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's any groups out there that want to talk more about it, just reach out to us. Um, and, you know, we're happy to uh, arrange an opportunity to talk more about the report and go from there. So definitely uh, one of the, one of the really important um, parts of this, this whole safety study process is that, um, you know, after the we have the board meeting, after the report is published, uh, we need to go out there and mm-hmm. and sort of advertise the work and, and yeah, advocate right. for the positions we've taken. Right. Um, and so we're always um, interested in, in, in appropriate venues for that. Yeah, and we really truly believe that our report beyond the recommendation is a resource mm-hmm. and is also a tool, you know, for um, whoever that have a stick on uh, saving life, particularly with uh, reducing. Um, speeding related related yeah. crashes. So I think mm-hmm. you know Nathan and I are more than happy to talk to anyone, and uh, you know we have a few uh, kind of outreach opportunity already lined up. So so um, just just don't be shy and ask us questions. <laughs> and and as you can hear, they like to talk about it. So they'll be happy to get out there, and we'll get them out there to do that. So um, so you've got the speed report done. You're going to be doing some of the. Prom- Promotion, I guess, is the right read. The outreach regarding some of the safety mm-hmm. recommendations. Mm-hmm. What's next? Do you guys go back to your list of all right? 
I've done a highway one. I've been thinking about doing a pipeline report for a while. So let's see if someone else would like to do that. Or <laughs> like, have you even gotten to that part to think about, all right, I spent, I spent the past two and a half years working on a speeding report and, and doing all this. Is there a built-in decompression time? Um, as you, as you said, Nathan, you like, you get all this new information and you become an expert on this thing for a couple of years. Do you decompress a little bit to then move on to the next one? Or do you run projects kind of concurrently and you just kind of, this one gets a little less focused and you move on to another one? There's usually a bit of a gap between projects. I think right now we're in the, the stage of uh, bouncing some ideas around, but there's nothing mm-hmm. uh, concrete for the next project. Um, in, in addition to the, um, the safety studies, the, the, the group at the NTSB that Ivan and I work for, um, we also provide analytical support to the mm-hmm. um, to the investigators and the, mm-hmm. the, um, the different modal offices uh, at the board. And so um, there's an opportunity um, after you you finish the big sprint to the end um, for the for the board meeting to um, to work on some of those smaller sort of uh, projects uh, and take a break before um, ramping up for the next. Is that, it's kind of like the research version of sorbet. It's like the kind of the <laughs> the mental palate cleanser to move on to some of the next stuff? Something like that. <laughs> well, uh, what kind of, what, if are you able to share the kind of analytical reports that, that research engineering does and that you, maybe that you've been working on? Is that? Um, so for me, um, every year uh, we put out, uh, since the NTSB uh, is the source of all of the, the aviation accident data in the United States, uh, we put out uh, a few different summaries um, uh, that, that cover uh, U.S. civil aviation accidents in the past okay. year. And so um, at the moment, I'm working on, on compiling that data. And um, great questions. <laughs> and uh, well, first of all, thank you for pointing out about, you know, pipeline, because uh, that's where um, Nathan and I spent yet another two years of our life uh, working on the, our last safety report. Uh, safety study was uh, gas transmission pipelines, okay. uh, integrity management program. And uh, uh, you guys get all the good stuff. <laughs> like Nathan's, and uh, I also have um, other work that I needed to do. Um, I am, because of my background in highway safety, um, I tend to um, get involved with uh, some of the accident investigation involving highway safety issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am also, because of my background in geography and particularly GIS, so more often than not, uh, when they, there is geospatial data needs um, or understanding GPS technologies or, yeah. or any cartographic uh, analytical or cartographic production needs that typically will come to me as well. And, uh, and I answer a lot of questions about FARS, which is the oh. fatality analysis reports data. And basically, a lot of things about highway uh, ended up would be something that I do. Yeah. Um, so, and, and just to also enrich our understanding of, on our E10, which is where we work for, which is known as the research, a safety research division within, okay. within the research and engineering um, office. Um, we do safety study, that's our big thing. And we also do all this support for other modal offices or, or other offices, including um, your group mm-hmm. within NTSB. Uh, is, uh, is, is, is very important um, that, uh, to understand that we are a group of interdisciplinary people. Yeah. We have uh, Nathan is an engineer. 
we have um, human factor engineer, we have yep. psychologies, and we have anthropologies, physical anthropologies, and I'm a geographer by training, and we used to have epidemiologies. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that uh, sometimes, you know, people forget, you know, we do have a good group of researchers that have multidisciplinary uh, approach to safety, uh, highway safety or, or transportation safety issue. Yeah. No, the, you guys cover the, the gambit of issues and specialties and background and always, I mean, within safety advocacy and an SRC, I can say, I mean, people reach out to you and you guys pull stuff together very quickly because it's normally, in my case, probably fairly last minute. And so it, stuff will come together and mm -hmm. I like that. Although I have, and I will have to say, when I was getting my master's, uh, the GIS stuff was a little over my head. So I'm a little sad to know that now that I'm done, I, I had a resource that I could have reached out to to help out with that. So, and, well. I, I, and I do always, uh, you know, kind of put in that plug. <laughs> Everything happens somewhere, including <laughs> transportation accidents. So yes. where is highly important. It's always important to know where you are. <laughs> so that's great. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. I really appreciate you sharing a little bit of your history and a little bit of history about the report. Mm -hmm. um, again, check us out at ntsb.gov. Uh, find this report. Um, you can also find some of the pipeline. You can find the pipeline report that they worked on there and some of their other stuff. If you want to become fans of uh, Nathan and Ivan, you can become become their research groupies and, and check out some of the different stuff they have going on. So uh, thank you very much for, for doing that. Uh, again, everyone, uh, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can find us there, and uh, we appreciate you coming behind the scene. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Thank you.